Welcome to the Canby Christian Church Podcast. This is an on-Sunday episode. That's the episode where the pastors of the church get together in a dank basement on a Monday to talk about what happened on Sunday. That's why we call it On Sunday. And uh, like I was corrected last week, an elder is a pastor. Mm-hmm. And so we're not joined by Aaron, but we're joined by another elder of the church. We have Dave here. Dave, you want to say hi? Hi. <laughs> <laughs> and? I'm Rob. And I'm Cody. Yep. Yeah. Rob, how was your week? It's good, man. I'm finally... I think I got most of my my things in my new house on the walls. You know, like yesterday we put up some pictures, a mirror, stuff like that. I don't I think I don't know if there's much more unpacking to do. Um did I did I tell you about the trampoline, getting the trampoline in my new house? No. I heard a little bit about it, but maybe you should tell us. I story. don't know if I told it on the podcast, but it was kind of crazy. I don't think you did. Well, first of all, my trampoline is you know, if you guys have a trampoline or if you've ever dealt with them, they are kind of a nightmare to take apart and put back together because of the springs and everything, you know? Nope. Anyway, so I was dreading taking it apart. So I decided we are not going to do that. I took off the top pieces, the like the safety netting, and I laid that on top of it. So it's just like more of a traditional looking trampoline, you know? And I took all those to the new house. And then when the guys came to help me move it, like we basically just... I don't know, like the the dozen guys rolled it and lifted it up and over my back fence in my old house. <laughs> and it was it was kind of something to see. I mean, Vince, really Vince and Mike were just standing back recording the whole thing, not helping out, just laughing at us. Uh, we got it onto Tony Hansen's like flatbed trailer and it was, you know, sticking out to two lanes. So it covered two lanes, but we'd like you know, wide load, like, you know, followed it to the new house. Anyways, when we got to the new house, we had to get it over that fence. And so we lifted it up like upside down, you know, so that the legs were sticking upward and we just kind of like pushed it up and over the fence. And between me and my neighbor's house, there's just enough room for it to go over my fence and then partially over his fence or their fence. And I've never met this neighbor yet. Okay. So I'm, I'm, we're just assuming they'll be okay with me kind of putting it over their fence line. And I didn't think anything of it. Well, as we're moving it, we lost track of where all the legs were. And at one point, it caught a hold of the gutter of my neighbor and ripped <laughs> his whole gutter off. Nice oh, to no. meet you. Like, <laughs> Welcome like to the neighborhood. <laughs> 15, 20 feet of the gutter are hanging off. Mike Hurtado gets a stepladder and tries to like tack it back in. And, you know, we're situating everything. And I'm like, man, I got to go talk to this guy. So I go next door. You know, and I walk up there, I'm like sweaty in shorts and a dirty t-shirt holding a hammer. And I knock on the door and I could see he's looking at me through the door like, is this dude going to attack? <laughs> <laughs> like he looked a little sketched out, but he opened it and I said, oh, hey, my name's Rob. I'm your new neighbor. And he's like, he kind of, then he kind of like, oh, okay. And I said, yeah, as we were moving something over, we we damaged your gutter. I'm really sorry. Like I'll get like a professional to come look at it if you want or you know, I'll try to help you or I'll try to fix it. And he was just like, I'll take care of it with you. Come on, let's go. He grabs his ladder. He grabs his tools. He goes out there. He's actually um, a retired Canby uh, fire marshal. And he's also like an architect. He's nice. like, he's a designer, building designer. Very cool. And he's got like a nice shop at his house. But anyways, he was very cool about it, him and his wife. And we talked for 45 minutes or an hour. And he showed me around his house. He showed me like his workshop and he does archery and stuff. But anyways, me and him together, we got his gutter back in the right position and fixed it. Um, anyways, it was a, it was a good encounter. I'm glad that, you know, that could have gone sideways. <laughs> like, yeah. And he, he, he joked at one point, he's like, well, now we're going to have to sue you. And his wife like hits him like, oh, stop messing around. <laughs> and he's joking, of course, but. Uh, well, well, at least you weren't burning weeds. <laughs> I know. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't light anything on right. fire. Uh, I damaged your gutter <laughs> because I melted it. <laughs> I was using my my torch. Yeah, no, nothing like that. But I haven't really met my other neighbors. I've waved to them. Uh, I think most of the folks on my street are kind of older. Uh, this couple, too, is in their sort of retirement yeah. years. It's sort of a quiet neighborhood. Well, I know your neighbor's four houses down because I rented that house and they're the, they were our landlords. <laughs> Are they still there? Yeah. Yeah. Well, they, they were only renting that house cause they lived in Gladstone and were moving to Canby. 
So they were renting it while they lived in their other house. Oh. Like just to keep something going in there. And then they were always planning to move in. So after we left, they moved into it. Were they pretty cool? Oh, yeah. They're very cool. Okay. Well, that's good. I'll have to get the 411 on that. But yeah, I'm starting to get to know a few people in the neighborhood. The one so. further down from that keeps bees. So really? don't walk too close to his fence. <laughs> so like your old neighbor? <laughs> yeah. Wow. Next door neighbor. Wow. Yeah. That's yeah, that pretty crazy. little like Juniper Court, like this little loop is sort of a, an eclectic little group, I think. Some <laughs> of those houses are pretty cool. Um, they're a little bit older, but, you know, not that old as far as Camby is concerned. So Very cool. Anyways, yeah, that's, that's what happened a few weeks back. And we're about to have thousands of blackberries over the top of my back fence. My the neighbor behind me. I'm gonna come pick all those. Oh, dude, dude. I love blackberries. You should because I'm gonna have so many. <laughs> I'm gonna end up throwing stuff away. Like there, are thousands of green ones that are starting to turn. Mm-hmm. Like a few of them are darkening. Yeah. So I, that's my favorite part of summer. Yeah. How about you, Dave? How was your week? Well, not as exciting as that, but uh, <laughs> probably in some ways more so. I was able to celebrate my 41st anniversary with Debbie. Awesome. So Congratulations. Where's the drop? <laughs> <laughs> I had 41 a, years. That was 40, was 41 years, 43 years together. Yeah. So I had been out in uh, Detroit, Michigan the week before, and mm. things were looking a little gloomy. So, um, Decided to head over to Eagle Crest over in Central Oregon for the weekend and nice. <clears throat> long week. So we ended up staying past the 4th of July and floated the Deschutes River and in inner tubes with my brother and his wife and uh, played some miniature golf there at Eagle Crest and yeah. sat up on the balcony on uh, the 4th of July evening watching fireworks going all over the valley. So it was a, it was a pretty special time. Yeah, very cool. That's awesome. Yeah. I mean, we yeah. had a fun time here in Canby too. It was a lot of people out for the parade. Yeah, yeah it but, was wild. Our balloons went quick. That yeah. was a lot of fun. Well, it still it still amazes me how many people all of a sudden recognize that there's a church here. Yeah, you know, since we painted it and yeah. we did the pavers out front, it's yeah. it's just like all of a sudden it's just like this magical appearing of this church in the middle <laughs> yeah. of Canby that people didn't realize was here before. Yeah. Well, let's say there was a new couple that we chatted with for a long time after church, second service. And that's what they said. They were like, yeah, we, uh, we saw just like on the 4th of July, we saw all these people out front and we were like, well, we should check that church back out. (laughs) Oh, nice. (laughs) Yeah. I think they were already thinking about it, but they were just like, look at, there's all those people. (laughs) (laughs) I talked to an older couple on the 4th on our corner, the pavers, and they were talking with, I think the Couture's. And uh, they were saying, oh, we used to go to this church like four years ago, but we've just kind of, you know, haven't come recently. And they're like, because we didn't really know a lot of people. And then they're like, well, you know us now. Okay, we'll come. We'll be there. (laughs) So, I mean, stuff like that is, it's just uh, being there while all this activity is happening is is so beneficial. And it's not, you know, it's not a big burden for us. It was a really fun time. And that was cool. Well, you get great seats for the parade, too. Amazing seats. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And you were preparing a message the whole time. And, I mean, hasn't work has been pretty crazy for you, right? Uh, has uh, it slowed uh, down yet? <laughs> All the above, yeah. <laughs> it's still crazy. <laughs> still crazy. While you're yeah. writing a message and going on vacation for your anniversary. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's, it's kind of uh, difficult when you spend your time kind of head down and researching and typing things out. And your wife's kind of like, <clears throat> Are we going to spend any time together? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Nice. Well, thank you for doing that work, and thanks to Debbie for doing that work. I for know. Us. So, how about your week, Cody? Oh, not bad. Yeah, I mean, uh, it was kind of yeah. It's a weird one. We just like got back from Mexico that mission trip, so you're kind of recovering, but then you're losing a random day to a vacation, and and we had our uh, our first kind of. Well, we had the trip, but we had our first kind of just general social youth group event of the summer. Did the big slip and slide. Yeah. Uh, if you know I saw about it, videos. there's a, yeah, a family who hosts it. And, uh, and it's a pretty crazy time, but it's actually yeah, book cool. solid. Like every day that it's available, book mm-hmm. solid all summer. Um, but he's like, you know what? Staying light. Like he let us come from eight, eight to 10. Normally the last time slot is five to eight. 
And the kids just like for two hours straight, just down the slip and slide over and over and over and over. We kind of like thought about playing other yard games, stuff like that. And it was just like, they, they are just like, this slip and slide is that cool. (laughs) Yeah. So it was very fun. Do you Uh, only go on inner tubes or people like actually? You can go however you want. Yeah. Inner tubes is cool. Like, and, and like fast and easy, but yeah, the kids are going down on their stomachs. They're right. going down, trying to stay on their feet the whole way down. They're like somersaulting into the diff swan oh dive, and like they're you know they're crazy. And you had no <laughs> no injuries, not not one injury. Yeah. Wow! Congratulations. Give yourself a yeah. <laughs> yeah, youth ministry with no injuries. That's pretty that's, cool. That's a rare thing. Yeah, very cool. Um, yeah. Well, let's jump into our message then. Is that cool? Uh, we are in first Timothy four, six through 16. Our main point was that a good servant of Jesus Christ trains himself in godliness and then models and teaches godliness to others. We see that kind of pattern as the two parts unfold. Uh, Dave, as you were preparing for your message, was there anything that, that jumped out to you that you were surprised by or anything like that? Nothing that I was necessarily surprised by. I think, you know, one of the things that as you learn about expositional preaching, they tell you to just read and reread and reread the passage. And yeah. as you do that, things start to, to jump out. You start to see some structure to it. And, mm-hmm. you know, there were a couple of main themes that, that I saw that um, really struck me. One was the um, emphasis on, on godliness. And, and that was obviously from the main point, kind of the the theme that I picked up on. But that godliness, both within Timothy himself and what he was to train himself for godliness for, as well as what he was to um, push out to others, was founded on and rooted in the Word of God. Mm-hmm. And so I was trying to, when I put the title Rooted in the Word together, I was trying to uh, stick with the theme of this um, series um, – Roots of a Healthy Church, and Aaron had talked about a while back the being rooted in prayer in, mm-hmm. in one of the earlier, and I don't know if that was necessarily his title, but that was one of the foundational um, um, underpinnings of a church is prayer. Yeah, that's and, in chapter two. Yeah, exactly. And so I, I was as I was looking through that, you know, looking at the uh, you know where where does a tree draw its life and its strength? It's it's from the the soil. That, that it gets its nourishment from. And so the godliness kind of came from that <clears throat> root of the word that Timothy was to train himself on. It says in um, verse 6 that uh, you'll be a good servant of Jesus Christ, being trained in the words of the faith and the good doctrine that you have followed. Hmm. And then again, towards the end, it talks about him devoting himself to public reading. And I think we'll talk about that yeah. a little bit more in a bit. But so that was kind of you know what I saw, and then I think the other thing that was interesting was the the verbiage that Paul uses with these things, and you know he uses those as directives to Paul to uh, put these things before the brothers, or command and teach these things, or practice these things, you know. And so he's kind of reiterating what he's already been talking about, mm-hmm. and he's putting some emphasis on, you know, I don't want you just to talk about this or learn about this or think about this or ponder this or, you know, <clears throat> get up in the morning and have a quiet time and, and enjoy this, but I want you to actually be active in this. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's so good. Yeah, and I remember that command, command and teach, though, like that command phrasing keeps coming up all throughout mm-hmm. the entire book. Um, where like, and, and, uh, and I don't know, I'm skipping all the way to the end of your, your last point, but it's clear Paul is really trying to get this through to Timothy because he understands the stakes, right? And that's like, almost mm-hmm. kind of your last point in the sermon. The stakes are, are huge. The, right. the preaching of the word is like the way that people are going to be discipled. The people are going to be sanctified. Uh, and it, it's way too important to get wrong. And so it's interesting. Uh, it's just like command and teach, practice and immerse. Like the, just like all of that really like strong language keeps coming up over and over and over. Well, and even Jesus was, was not one that says, you know, sit back and listen to what I, I say and then do nothing with it. He says, if you love me, you'll obey my commands. 
Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right. Obedience. Well, then obedience isn't just sitting idle. It's kind of like we were talking about the definition of godliness. It's it's devotion in action. It, it's you know glorifying God, not just in your thoughts and uh, but but in your actions. Is everything you're doing glorifying God? And and it's the same with Jesus. He says, I don't want you just to sit idle. I want you to take what I'm teaching you, and I want you to put that love into action. Yeah. So good. Yeah, overall, very practical. Of course, in the uh, in the pastoral epistles, it's slightly less theological and a lot more practical for the mm-hmm. church yeah, and very to practical. Timothy. I mean, this next weekend or this next Sunday will be full of that same kind of practical. Yeah, a lot of practical, like, yeah. Here's, yeah, and so there's a lot of work trying to figure out how does this practical advice to this church then translate to our church now? And I think this was pretty broad, I, I feel like, overall— you had a lot of uh, thorough, um, you know, points in there, which I think were helpful overall. Um, maybe we could start with a question, though. Does does Paul's encouragement to, and he says this, uh, quote, to have nothing to do with silly myths. So I think this was your avoid, you said avoid the influence of ungodly teaching is your third mm-hmm. point. Um, does that just mean to ignore these silly myths? Or what does that look like practically for the for the pastor, for the church leader, or for anybody? Yeah, what do you guys think? Yeah, I mean, that, that's always uh, a tough one because, you know, in some sense you want to ignore them because they, they really have no value. They're just yeah. myths. They're, but then the, the other aspect of that is that you've got to look at how the, those myths, those silly myths or old wives' tales as some other translations, how they impact people. And so, you know, as you're putting out these warnings before the brothers as he starts off with, you know, warning them about the, the, the things that – take you away from your plumb line of the truth of the gospel. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, in some some ways you have to pay attention to them so you know what's out there, but you've also got to be careful not to get caught up and adopt some of it because it's popular. Yeah. And so you want to you want to have this avoidance of, you know, the appearance of adopting these <clears throat> these myths and um and, and not <clears throat> not just really like I said not getting caught up in them and and um, yeah. Yeah. So really it, it's like you have to walk this line of not allowing the whatever, the thought of the day, the whatever, you know, exciting, strange philosophy or ideology mm-hmm. is floating around, allow us to pull us away so much that we de- de- dedicate so much time to it and we, we end up losing sight of the main thing. Um, but at the same time, there are silly myths or there are irreverent, you know, ideas that crop up that are dangerous for the church. Mm-hmm. And so then they have to be addressed, not just cast aside. I remember um, there's this cult, this strange Christian offshoot that I dealt with when I was ministering in Riverside, California in the universities. And I don't, I'm sure this is still around, but there was like this mother God uh, church or whatever, the church that taught that God was a mother, mm-hmm. not just a father. And they were using some obscure references in Revelation, I think, and some others to say that there is God the Father and there's also God the Mother. And it was just so weird. It's just like obviously very obscure. But there was a handful of students who I was speaking with that were getting confused by it. And uh, so then we had to address it, you know what I mean? But more often than not, things like that, you're like, don't even waste your time sort of investing in those conversations. Yeah, that's exactly what I was thinking is there's like kind of a balance of at some point when you start arguing against something, you like legitimize it a right. little bit, you know, like, mm. yeah. Like, I mean, we were, uh, we were debating last night, had a, a fun, you know, kind of theological debate between Calvinism and Arminianism. And both of those schools of thoughts have existed mm. forever. Like, so not forever, obviously, but for a mm-hmm. very long time, because there's like very smart people very good Bible scholars that find arguments for both sides of that. Uh, And so that's an interesting one to talk about. But if you start having a debate, I don't know, like that Jesus did balloon animals. So all, (laughs) all pastors should be clowns. Well, you know, and so, okay. So like, Hey, we just want to get up and talk today. The whole clown pastor thing where like you, you don't need to bring it up. <laughs> like, you know, no one has heard that. No one believes that. Right. So there's no reason to bring it up, you know? So I think sometimes, yeah. But then 
it is like how much of this is seems to be influencing my congregation. Yeah. That's the ones that are important, but there's a lot of crazy stuff out there that we never have to mention because most people will never hear it. And if they did, they'd go, Oh, that's crazy. <laughs> well, I, I think the way that, that Paul addresses it with Timothy too, you, you've got to look at it, not just in that one little snippet, you've got to look at it in, in kind of the flow of what he's saying. It's kind right. of like in the Lord's prayer where, where it says, lead us not into, into, into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Right. Yeah. So it's, it's like I could, I could focus on lead us not into temptation and, and dwell on that part, but that's really not what that, that, part of saying it's saying deliver us you know we're relying on you guys and yeah, so you could have the misconception that god is the one who is tempted, right which, and so yeah. what what paul is saying here he says have nothing to do with the reverent silly myths rather train yourself for godliness so you know don't get bound up in in these irreverent silly myths that are you know all around you yeah rather you need to train yourself for godliness. You need to focus on the most important thing and that <clears throat> that's to become a godly pastor mm-hmm. a godly man yeah, and if you know the Bible well, like I think you mentioned this, if you know the truth, the counterfeit's mm-hmm. easy to spot. Yeah, if you know the Bible well, such a good point. If someone walks up and they're like, "Oh yeah, have you heard of the Mother God?" and I'm like, "I've read the Bible. There is no such thing." Have a good day, <laughs> you know, <laughs> or just like we can talk about it, but you know, I I have this much time to to commit, and if you're just closed minded and strange, I'll pray for you and and you know, say goodbye. So yeah, I, I think that was, but it's an interesting thing to look at because he says avoid them, have nothing to do with them. That's mm-hmm. pretty like hard. That's like a, a strong statement to make. But I think you're right in connection to that second, that next sentence, rather, that's an important word. Mm-hmm. <laughs> rather, right. this is what you ought to focus on. Know what God actually says um, and, and not get bogged down with the craziness. So anyways, I thought that was a good, that was a good thing. Um, but getting, getting to the, the training yourself for godliness, obviously the next, the continuation of that sentence uh, he men- he mentions while bodily training is of some value, godliness is of value in every way, mm-hmm. as it holds the promise for the present life and also the life to come. So, yep. training for godliness is more important, though physical training is not unimportant. Training for godliness, especially for Timothy and for the Christian, is more important as they're seeking to lead and be an example mm-hmm. for the church. So, I mean, very simply, what are some practical ways we do that? <laughs> Coming to church, right? Um, I, I like what you said about your training for Kilimanjaro, obviously. How much dedication you put into that daily, preparing yourself. Yeah. Um, do we put the same amount of time right. into our spiritual discipline, into our spiritual godliness training that we do for our other physical training? Well, I mean, really, and, and if you think about it, so there's there's a lot of different things you've got to look at when you're physically training. You know, I mentioned that the muscles you use – go climbing up a hill are different than the ones you use coming down. And so if you don't train all those muscles properly, yeah. you're going to have a devastating climb down the mountain. Yeah. And, you know, your legs, if you've ever done that, they just come out feeling really noodly. You can't hold yourself. You're going to fall. Um, you know, there's all sorts of problems. So as, as you're training, you've got to look at what are all the aspects and what are all the the components that I need to train in my body, my core strength, my lungs, my ability to transfer oxygen into my bloodstream, mm. which is why I went to the altitude chamber, right? Yeah, right? So all of these things you have to look at, and it's the same way spiritually. And that's why I said is, you know, I learned so much about my spiritual walk through that. So it's like, you know, all the spiritual disciplines like prayer and reading the Bible and, and fellowship and, um, you know, just all in worship and, and all the different aspects of your your spiritual training that you need to go through to make yourself into this godly person Mm -hmm. through the power of the Holy Spirit. Yeah. I like the way it's connected to practical Mm -hmm. like things in the world. Cause you're talking about how like this example of training for a mountain climb. I mean, when you're training to be in, in Timothy's case, a church leader, you, you can't just do it abstractly. You kind of have to train for the specifics of what you're going to be doing teaching, counseling, um, you know, evangelism, um, all those kinds of things. Um, so I, I like I like that idea. Think about the things that you're going to call to do, what you're doing, and figure out how to, you know, strengthen those spiritual mm-hmm. muscles to do right. that activity specifically right. instead of um, just sort of abstractly like, I'm going to read the Bible and pray. Those are obviously the things that we think about when we come to spiritual training. 
Um, but yeah, I don't know if there's anything you, you wanted to add to that, Cody, but no, I mean, I, yeah, I think what you were starting to say at the beginning though, totally applies. We always like want to come up with a new special formula, right? That's going to lead to further sanctification. Uh, when, if you look at it, the Bible is pretty clear. Don't forsake gathering with other believers, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, like mm-hmm. read, read the word, love the word, pray, serve, you know, like there's the basic, yeah. like those basic things of Christianity are, uh, you know, sometimes they seem so obvious that we overlook them right away and go like, okay, what's my, how am I going to discipline myself in training for godliness? You know, like what's yeah. my, what's the way I'm going to do it? And it's the things that like Christians have been doing for centuries <laughs> that are like the most important. They're the, the basic, go to church, read your Bible, pray, serve, use your gifts, share the gospel. Yeah. Like the, those are the things. There's right. not going to be a secret, a secret formula. Now it's fun. Like maybe, I mean, maybe fun's not the right word to explore spiritual disciplines and to, you know, try a different way of reading your Bible and mm-hmm. to try like a different style of prayer and to, you know, read a book by, a spiritual forefather Mm -hmm. who had, you know, their devotional thoughts like that. That's all good too. Um, But none of that is going to be the magic thing if you aren't doing the basics yet, you know? Yeah, for sure. Did you have like someone training you in that process when you were climbing? No, I I mean, I'd done enough of it. So I kind of knew what needed to be done. You had like online resources you were looking at. The, I mean, there were a few, but not really more. The, the online stuff was like looking ahead at the climb. So what was to come? So mm. the, this route that I was climbing up Kilimanjaro, there were some specifics on what that route entailed and, yeah. and you know, just kind of getting ready for that and, you know, researching gear, you know, what kind of sleeping bag did I need for the altitudes that I would be at to keep me warm and yeah, what, what kind of clothes how many did I days wear? Did it, take? It, was, it was eight days, six and a half Whoa. days up, six and a half days up, one and a half days down. And most, Dad, I did most not of the, realize that. Yeah, most of that was um, acclimatization to the altitude. Yeah, so you, oh, take time up, you get up there and you go up during the day and come down during the night. And, you know, they've got one route that's like three days, a day and a half up and a day and a half down. And over 50% of the people fail that because they're. It's not because they're stamina because, you know, just these really buff athletes go try to do that, but they're not used to the altitude. Yeah. And so they get up to 15,000 feet or so and they succumb to altitude sickness and have to be taken back down. Mm. You know, we saw many people have to be taken down by helicopter. What was the, how, how tall is the mountain? It's 19,341 feet is the that you have that memorized at the top of your head. <laughs> I, uh, the, the tallest, I feel like this. Well, is, he yeah. said it in his message, and, he's like, and I stepped every one of those feet. <laughs> oh, stepped man. every one of those feet. Yep. Wow. I, um, the, You'd the, remember that number, too. I know. <laughs> one, when two. You tra- <laughs> when you train that long, for sure. Um, yeah. the, the highest I climbed or hiked was... San Gorgonio Mountain, which is the highest in Southern California, at eleven thousand feet. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think we did. I think we did that in one day. Maybe I didn't go all the way to the peak then. This is when I was younger. I was a teenager, and uh, we started at like five a.m. and we got back around ten p.m. like down to the, mm-hmm. down to the foothills. So we really took, but we didn't stay overnight. And um, I just remember the coming down was a thousand times worse. Yeah. Like it was, I was murderous. I couldn't believe it. I thought going up was hard. You know, it's like some of the hills are steep here and there. And I was like, man, this is rough. But then you start going down and you realize how difficult it is anyways, not to get too off topic, but that definitely an interesting story. So it took you about a week. Yeah. A little over a week. Yeah. Wow. That's pretty wild. It it was, it was pretty, pretty amazing. Like I said, there were some, some great conversations, godly conversations I had with some of my co-hikers, you know, mm. I was teamed up with people from literally all over the world. From Did you Wales know them beforehand? No, or? Oh, no so. never met them. Wow. And so, like I said, this one, one young woman, she worked for Google down in San Francisco. Oh, interesting. And so she was very, not a godly person. Sure. Yeah. And, you know, so we, we had a lot, yeah, we had a lot of, a lot of opportunities to talk about, you know, God's glory and creation. Mm. And uh, I think I mentioned in at least one of the services that as we were hiking up the mountain at one point, she was just like in awe. And she said, you know, if there really was a God, 
he would make something that looked just like this. Mm. <laughs> well, oddly enough, there is, and he did. Yeah. Wow. Such a good line. Yeah. That's so funny. Yeah, but Debbie trained with you a little bit on one of the sisters you were saying this. So we had, we had uh, Debbie and I had been hiking since like 2000 and something and, you know, loved getting out. So after the kids left home, we were looking for things to do together. And so we did a lot of hiking. Mm-hmm. One of the, the hikes, it was really our um, – the, the culmination of everything we did was to climb the South Sister, and that was that was quite a quite an event, which is similar to the one you were talking okay. about. It's a little over ten thousand feet. You do it in a day. It's about twelve miles up and back. Right. Yeah, that's probably what they're similar heights. Yeah. Hmm. Um, that's cool. Well, the reason I was bringing that up though is because this whole training for godliness is not only an individual activity. Right. Right. And I mean that's not emphasized in this text. But I think it is important. Obviously, Timothy, as the one of the leaders of the church, is actively doing that <laughs> with the people in Ephesus. But um, it, you know, we we can sometimes get this in our heads that like going to the gym and working out, or go, going to the spiritual gym, so to speak, and working out is completely a, a solo activity. But that's definitely not the case. We we need each other to help keep each other accountable in that training and. And that kind of thing. And he kind of gets into that a little bit when he starts to talk about setting an example mm-hmm. for the people who are, uh, you know, watching him, uh, which I think is a pretty a big section, sort of in your next section, the next chunk of this text, uh, verse 12, sort of the second half of verse 12, set the believers an example in speech, conduct, love, faith, and purity. Um, so maybe we could talk about some examples of how we've seen that done well in those specific areas or. Well, I, I'm going to, I'm going to ask you, I'm going to ask Rob's question before Rob gets to ask it. Cause this is, this is the question Rob has down. Set an example for believers. Have you always been a good example? <laughs> <laughs> well, and I think I've yes. met. Yes. <laughs> Rob's answer is yes. <laughs> I think I've mentioned that, you know, the, this was probably the, the most convicting yeah. Part of the the study personally was looking at this and saying, you know, what kind of example am I? And I think it kind of reflected back to, you know, that first incident with my daughter where mm-hmm. she said, I want to be just like you, daddy. And it kind of dawned on me as a new Christian um, that the influence I was going to have over my kids. But then as we walked through our lives and so I kind of tried to, to set the stage for people to think about their own example mm-hmm. around them. And I think I, I made a note here that one of the one of the examples I didn't throw out that I probably should have was driving. Oh, yeah. You know, some of the um, um, the the worst examples of being a Christian are when you drive and <laughs> shout at people even though they can't hear you. You tailgate because you're in a hurry, and then you find out that the person you've just been tailgating because they're too slow is actually a member of your church Someone and you're pulling you know. right behind yeah. them. And uh, so— and all of those things were, were kind of outward demonstrations. They weren't, you know, what's the condition of your heart, but what is the outpouring of your heart in, in this visible action? Mm, right. And that's, in, that's your, why, in your speech and your conduct and things like that. And like, yeah. I, like I said, um, you know, sarcasm is like my native language, but, but not everybody deals well with sarcasm. No, that's why I have um, the Can Be Christian sticker on my window. Keeps me... Um, you know, from keeps me accountable. Like, oh, I can't do that. Someone's gonna see the sticker. They're gonna uh, know. That's why I, I, I gotta be a good one. example. <laughs> that's why you don't have one. <laughs> <laughs> oh, uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, no, obviously, we've all been bad examples at times. If yeah. We're being honest, and uh, sometimes in our lives, we're worse than others. Obviously, but I thought that was a really good story you shared. I thought that was helpful. And, um, yeah, what are some practical ways that we can be, I mean, obviously you mentioned with speech, um, some cool, some good things, obviously, you know, the type of words we use, there are certain words that people, uh, you know, associate with certain types of lifestyles. Mm -hmm. So it's like the whole idea of cussing or cursing or using foul language or whatever is, is an interesting one. People can have debates because it's like, oh, that's just language that is, uh, you know, intense. And if you use it properly in the proper context, it's not necessarily, bad but then if if using certain words which we all know are not allowed on the radio and we'd have to bleep if we if we said them on our podcast um then they would you know people might have a certain perspective of who we are which is not necessarily true so i don't know i thought that was helpful yeah 
Well, I think you, uh, I don't know if I'll get it exactly the way you said it, but you talked about guarding your speech, including, Mm -hmm. you know, swearing or saying inappropriate or coarse joking or whatever. But you, you said you made a point about, uh, being aware of how you're being heard too. Like, it's not just not saying all these things. It's like being aware enough of the people around you. You know what I mean? So, I mean, I think that are, are we aware like, even if you go, okay, well, I think the Bible's talking more about, like, calling people idiots and putting them down right. than about, like, a specific, word. you know, yeah, a specific word. But if we know that those words are also, like, generally offensive to a, a good portion of the mm-hmm. population, well, we probably just won't say those words, <laughs> you know, like, because yeah. of how we're being heard and the way they present us. Um, so I thought that, that was a really, that one stuck out to me. I think because I I am also very sarcastic and I I've joked Playful, too I joke silly. too often probably and uh, and yeah so I think sometimes I'm like oh that is a good point about speech like I'm never swearing at people but maybe I should pay a little more attention like how my jokes are coming off or yeah. was this the right situation to joke in where it, did it make right. someone uncomfortable. You know, like all of that I, was a good point for me. I think what's funny, the setting, the example, because Riley just got not in trouble, like in trouble, but she just got, uh, you know, a little bit of trouble in kids ministry because, and I know that she was thinking she was funny, but I can't, I don't know exactly what happened. It was something about one of the teachers was talking about some principle that applies to good teachers. And she was like, oh, well, you don't have to worry about that one then. You know, like, just like, but it was like to somebody that she thinks is awesome. Like she loves having this person as their Sunday school teacher. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, that was totally like that, like was my influence, I think. Mm. (laughs) Yeah. So speaking of setting an example. (laughs) Yeah. And I mean, this is obviously like you mentioned the the letter that was going to the Ephesians Mm -hmm. had, I was already in circulation where Paul says, let there be no filthiness or foolish talk or crude joke. Right which are out of place when it said, let there be Thanksgiving. And, you know, here he, he talks about, you know, say things that will build others up, not tear them down. Yeah. Um, so I think that, yeah, that's obviously we need to set a good example there and be mindful. I mean, even like I've said in the past, I have a tendency of saying things that are true, but ungracious. And so like, that is something I need to guard in my speech. Like you, you said something, it wasn't crude. It wasn't, you know, a curse word, but it just wasn't said very kindly. <laughs> that's mm-hmm. like, it was true, but it just wasn't very kind the way that you brought that across, you know? So that's something that's not even like an overt, like someone would overhear and say that was sinful or whatever, but it's more the situation, understanding the person, who right. I'm saying to, how I'm speaking. So I think that's all, all really good. What about conduct? I mean, that's kind of self-explanatory. All of our actions, I think, you know, is what you had mentioned. Because mm-hmm. um, people are watching you. Right. Especially if you're in a position of leadership. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we have to be careful about the way that we behave. And Well, in we everything do. we do as a Christian, I think, you know, at mm-hmm. some point it's going to come under some scrutiny and, and you've got to be able to, to answer for that. And, you know, how many times do we hear, well, I'm never going to be a Christian because of the way that guy acts. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. I mean, that's, that was my experience as a kid. The conduct that I saw of the Christians in my life was really poor a mm-hmm. lot of the times. And so I was led to believe that Christianity didn't have a lot of truth to it because the way people behaved didn't line up with what they were talking about. Right. So that was really affected me as a young person. Um, so I think that's important. Obviously love, you know, how do you care for people? And, and also like who you love, you know, are you showing favoritism? Mm-hmm. Are you, loving people who can love you back? Are you loving people who don't love you and, you know, are, you know, have some animosity toward you? I think those are all really good. Yeah. You, I mean, you could have easily used this few verses as an entire sermon. Oh yeah. (laughs) Yeah, You know, there's so much you could say about these things. And then faith, of course, you know, stepping out there and and leading the people by trusting in God. and, Mm -hmm. And then people have a good example of what it looks like to demonstrate your trust for God in the face of, impossible situations, you know, there's a million things that you might be able to think about there. And then finally he mentions purity, um, which is, yeah, a huge issue and definitely something that's, that's really important. It's kind of interesting that that was one of the specific, I guess, I guess conduct is sort of in here and speech and stuff like that, um, as an issue 
you know, with, with regard to, to sinfulness and that kind of thing. So, well, I, I mean, you got to look at where, where Timothy was at there in Ephesus mm, as well. And, and the, yeah. you know, temple of Diana and the mm-hmm. temple, temple prostitutes. And, you know, is, is that a, a lifestyle that you want to go in and model for people mm. is, is being part and parcel with the, the temple prostitutes? Or do you want to live a life of purity to your ministry or, um, you know, to your family or, you know, kind of as a Christian, what does that, what does that look like? You know, are we out womanizing on the weekends or, uh, guyizing, I guess is what <laughs> women might. Man, manizing. <laughs> manizing, yeah. Mayonnaise? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, obviously in, in our, you know, and, and I think that we have to help one another do this well, you know, as brothers and sisters in Christ, when we see each other, we want to bring to light, hey, the way you're doing this or that is not giving, is not being a great example. And, you know, so, yeah. Well, I mean, the other thing you got to remember that, again, this comes right on the heels of is is where Paul is telling Timothy not to let anyone despise him for his youth. You know, mm-hmm. you tend to think of more the, the term uh, youthful indiscretions. Right. You know, you're young. Don't, don't let that be what um, – what people recognize in you, but instead take on these godly attributes. And, and those are an outpour, outpouring of your godly nature by virtue of your uh, study in the Bible and your prayer time. And, and you know, who you are internally as God, as, as a godly person, is what flows out and what other people see. It's not something that you make up and put on on the course of a day and then come home at night and take it off and be yourself again. Right. Yeah, that that's that's an interesting part of that first part of verse twelve. Let no one despise you for your youth. Basically, he's saying like uh, you have to be diligent because um, people will want to despise mm-hmm. you because of your youth. So don't let don't give them a reason to do that. Yeah, and, you know, I think it's kind of what he's saying. But that's like the quintessential youth group verse. Surprise! <laughs> you didn't get assigned this one, Cody. <laughs> um, yeah, but you didn't spend a whole lot of time on that specific section like that that those ver those well uh, the, phrase. the the one that i did was really just pointing out to everybody though even even though our our pastoral staff is young compared to like this elder um <laughs> not you, at all what are you talking you about you guys you guys do this kind of work you do amazing exposition of the word mm. and you do excellent in ministry and you know people shouldn't look at your age and judge just on that but mm. rather what are the what are the effects of what you're doing in your ministry? Mm. And and you guys, I I do want to give you again all props because you guys are all doing amazing work here. Hmm. Praise God. Thank you. Yeah, yeah, it's that's not. very encouraging. But it is interesting, you know, when you have, yeah, like I think we've probably all experienced a like the the youth pastor gets to preach, like when he's like some twenty two year old <laughs> right. kid, you know, and it's like. That was interesting. <laughs> he said a lot of stuff. <laughs> I don't know if all of it needed to be said, you know, where, and that's like an example of you came in thinking like, oh, I'll be, just be the funny young guy. Right. When like what people would have really wanted is to see a young guy who cared to study the word just right. like the pastor does right. and like present it as best, you know what I mean? Exactly. Uh, yeah. So that is, mm. it is a good point that you can, you can take your youth and look like the maturity level that, that you don't want to be. <laughs> yeah. And then the next verse 14, do not neglect the gift you have. So again, he's, I think Paul is continually to encourage Timothy. And you brought this up in your opening, your introduction about how this was probably a letter Timothy kept close to himself after mm-hmm. sharing it and copying it and having it spread and that kind of thing to give himself encouragement. But Paul tells him, don't neglect this gift that you have, which was given to you by prophecy when the council of elders laid their hands on you. Um, that's kind of an interesting sentence. Obviously, you didn't have time to get into what does that actually mean. Right. You know what I mean? Because it's yeah, a cause complicated. Because that could be a whole sermon in and of itself right. as gifting and, and things like that. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. And, you know, Paul, Paul brings this up a number of times. A couple in, in First Timothy, but in Second in Timothy one mm-hmm. six, he tells Timothy to fan into flames the gift of God, which was, you know, basically given to you by prophecy and the laying on of my hands. So right. he, mm-hmm. he included himself then in that council of elders that had uh, ordained Timothy into the the ministry. Right. Yeah. And this is you know, one of the, one of the texts where we see 
a council, right? Mm-hmm. There's this is a plurality of men who are selected from within the church, it seems, to be leading the church and then to be given the ability to bring up, train younger leaders and then, you know, put them before the congregation. Um, but uh, what do you think is being said here by prophecy and the laying on of hands? I mean, it, it, I think you're right. This seems to be like an ordination sort of mm-hmm. ceremony or some kind of a public prayer service over Timothy that happened, you know, at some point. Um, I don't know if we know the exact time when it did happen. We know that, you know, and I think it's Acts 12, maybe he starts to follow along with Paul. And then he's not in Ephesus, you know, for, to, you know, for years later. Right. Um, but I think that's, that's as simple as it is. Yeah. I don't, I don't think this was like a, a word of knowledge kind of right, prophecy. Some miraculous I, I think thing. this was more, um, of an ordination of, a a, a young pastor mm-hmm. who, who this council was, um, reaffirming his mm-hmm. gift for preaching and teaching. And, um, you know, I think a lot of that kind of came from Paul and Paul's direct involvement with Timothy and his recommendation to this council. But there's really not a lot written on it. So, you know, I always try to avoid adding things in to the Bible where it's not there because it maybe it makes sense or whatever. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Well, and we already know that the Holy Spirit was speaking through the apostles mm-hmm. in a unique way that we don't see happen anymore. Um you know, yeah. whatever you believe about how the Holy Spirit inspires prophecy, it's not the same as what was happening as the disciples were creating the very words of God that we read right. in Scripture, <laughs> regardless of how you see prophecy playing out, you know? Yeah. Uh, so that giving given to him by prophecy and the laying on of like the hands of an actual apostle who's writing this very holy scriptures that we still use today is a, a pretty unique thing. Very, like, actually should be, like you said, Timothy probably did hold it very dear and Mm -hmm. and read through these letters, uh, you know, and remind himself. But if you look at the, you know, the kind of inventory of spiritual gifts, it's, you know, pretty clear where Timothy falls as far Mm -hmm. as preaching and teaching, Mm -hmm. as as far as his gifting. Yeah, Yeah. gift of, like, leadership Mm -hmm. and and teaching, yeah, and— yeah, the gift of basically. It's not, it's not like you have to pick just one or you've got one and then one A and one B. You can, yeah, you can I mean, have multiple gifts. Going back to the letter to the Ephesians to this to this very church, right? Mm-hmm. He talk, he outlines it in chapter four, um, the gifts that were given to the church, one of which is pastor. Um, and so if this is the gift, then it's probably the gift that, you know, Timothy has obviously or mm-hmm. shepherd pastor. And so, yeah, the the elders laid their hands on him, prayed for him, and established him as one of the leaders there. Um, well, so. well, that was one of the, the interesting things as I was researching this is you know kind of Timothy and Paul's relationship over time, and you know when when I really got into it and saw that uh, Timothy was in Paul with Paul when Paul was in prison in Rome and writing these p- prison epistles, you know one of them was to the church at Ephesus, and you know. And that was the only one of the four that Timothy wasn't identified as a co-author of. Mm. But so Timothy was actively involved in the the writing of that uh, letter with Paul. Yeah, for sure. Um, Okay, moving on. Verse 13. Oh, I guess backing up a little bit. This was kind of interesting where he says, like, until I come, devote yourself to the public reading of Scripture. Mm-hmm. to exhortations, to teaching. So that's one of, obviously, the main points you have in that second section. Um, but do you think those things are like the same thing? Or no. do you think they're slightly different, no. right? Uh, they are. Yeah, they are. So, I mean, if you look, reading is just reading. So it, <laughs> right. it's, it's verbatim, here's the word and here's what the word says. Yeah. No exposition, no flowery language around it. I'm just going to read the word. Mm-hmm. Then it gets into exhortation, which is preaching, Right. So it's, I'm going to take the word and then I'm going to explain to you what this word is saying. And it's really like our Sunday sermons. It's one, one way. Right. I'm going to, to read the word. I'm going to explain the word to you and you're going to take it in. And then, the, and then, yeah. And then the, the teaching part is more of an interactive um, two-way communication between a teacher and a student. Hmm. 
So I'm going to teach you the word. You're, you're going to kind of repeat it back to me. I mean, what we go through in our one-on-one Bible studies or life yeah. groups or things like that, it's more of a teaching. Yeah, teaching and exhortation overlap quite a bit, no doubt. Mm-hmm. But I think when it exhortation is more application and has um, a, an argument that is sort of being right. made. And, What's the main point? <laughs> yeah, like that's the, so, but when you're teaching, maybe you're just teaching either one person or perhaps a small group. And you're explaining the text. You're not doing a whole lot of application or a lot of that kind of thing. You're just saying like, it, so that would be like a Sunday school class or some type of Bible study or one-on-one mm-hmm. going through the Bible together. Yeah. So those are the three things connected. Obviously they're all directly connected, mm-hmm. but slightly different. I think that's true. And all of those things are things that we emphasize here. And, you know, no doubt every church does or ought to, if they're not. Well, that's that's <laughs> kind of where the title yeah, came no from, Ro- rooted in the word. I mean, our church has to be rooted in the word. If yeah. we're rooted on something else, then you know we're we're missing out. But so we've got to have that that word, whether it's you know preached or taught or read, whatever, or all of the above. Best yet, yeah, mm-hmm. we've got to be there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the lifeblood of any local church, like a gathering of local believers in a place. Yeah. Definitely. And that's why in verse 15, immerse yourselves mm-hmm. in, the, in these things, in them, in the teaching of God's word and uh, practice these things. I think that's a really good thing. And then he also says, so that all may see your progress, which I think is really encouraging because it means, number one, Timothy is not where he should be. <laughs> you know what I mean? He's still progressing as a person and we all ought to be progressing and we should do it in such a way that's public. You know what I mean? Especially, well, if you're if you're a leader, absolutely mm-hmm. it will be. And this was actually kind of an interesting, you know, way to connect the fact that what Aaron's doing right now <laughs> is out there training right. and learning. And, you know, it, Cody was kind of joking, but still it's true. Hopefully when he gets back, he'll be preaching better than he was before. He'll be back and better than ever. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, and, probably uh, is. Yeah. I mean, you don't spend that much work and not get better. Right. Right. So, so I'll again point it back to, to all three of you, mm. you know, do you, do any of you think that you're the same pastors that you were when you got here? Yeah, hundred percent. No. Yeah, exactly. And, and, and it's that constant growth Yeah, and you know, it's not like I'm going to get to be 40 and then I'll be there. Right. It's like a, a continual thing. It's like, you know, I, I tell people all the time, you know, the, the more I learn, the less I know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and eventually I'll be so totally stupid I won't know anything at all is kind of the implication there. But I, I think it, it's more that, you know, as a teenager, I, I remember this bumper sticker. It said, hire a teenager while they still know everything. <laughs> okay. And, and I think, you know, the older you get, the more you learn, the more you realize that you have to learn mm. and the more you want to strive to get there. And, and the goal that, that I think that is being laid out for Timothy here is to always make that progression, always grow, never cease to be hungry yeah. to increase in knowledge and, and, and improve your, your role as a leader. Hmm. Yeah. yeah. And that's why we do things like this, <laughs> why we do the podcast, <laughs> why we uh, you know, have our small groups. We want that for everyone to see their progress. And it is really encouraging when you see a guy, a brother, sister that you've been serving with or just worshiping with for years where they once were and where they are now. It's such an encouragement. It's such a testimony to the, to the power of the Holy spirit in their lives. Cause it's, it's hard for you to see it in yourself a lot of times, but it's easier to see it in, in someone else that you're walking mm. with for a length of time, especially if you've taken some time apart or whatever, you haven't seen someone for a few months, you connect back with them and you just realize, wow, God has really taken you into, you know, a healthy place um, so I think that's a really, that's a good word. It's encouraging because it's like, you don't have to be, and you mentioned this, you don't have to be perfect now, you know, right. uh, you just have to be progressing. And mm-hmm. that happens sometimes quickly in some stages, sometimes really slowly in other stages. It's just like what God is doing in your life. You know, you're progressing. Um, so I think that was, yeah. was but helpful. it is, it is so encouraging to see that happen in people's lives. I mean, we had, we had the baptism this Sunday mm. with, uh, Emily, you know, mm-hmm. going to be a senior in high school and just seeing she had a, a experience at a camp that helped her like understand the gospel and really respond to it in a serious way. And this whole last school year, she's been told like the, the youth group's different yeah. when she's there. Because there's like something that has changed in her that makes her 
a leader, even when she's not trying to be, you know, like when you see the evidence of that in someone's life, it's so encouraging and exciting. Yeah. So, but before we go on, I want to throw my own question in here. Do it. (laughs) So, uh, the, the last verse where it's really talking about what are the, what's at stake? Yeah. Through your ministry here, and I—that's a heavy quote. I brought in that in John Stott yeah. quote. I wanted to ask you guys your opinion on that, and and if you thought that was overblown, if you thought it was right on, or I mean, I think Paul says it here: <laughs> it, persist in this, for by so doing, you will save both yourself and your hearers. I, I think that's like a direct, like almost that's what Stott's talking about. Right? Is the inverse of that true? If exactly. you will, if doing this saves you and your hearers, it does not doing this not save you right. and your hearers, right? Like, so, I mean, it seems lo- just logic. <laughs> it yeah. seems like that's what's being said. It's, it's, it's a big deal. Take this seriously. Yeah, yeah. I think. So, so as pastors, how do you, how do you process that? And how do you pray, <laughs> plead, yeah. plead for grace? Um, well, I mean, I think, I th- I think it's really easy to just not think of that, mm. you know. Like, so if you're thinking of it, what you're gonna do is try to preach the word as seriously and as thoughtfully and as prayerfully mm. as possible. It's when you're not thinking of that that you're like, what do I want to say? <laughs> you know, what? A, yeah. What's something? What's a topic I'm excited about? You know, and that's when you get some weird series or like I think I think it's really common in youth ministry. We're going to talk about texting or whatever. Like, it's like, okay, well, but what are you talking about from the Bible? You know, like, and that's where if you don't take that seriously, then it's easy to just say whatever comes into your mind or what's going to be the funniest or what's popular right now. Uh, But when you take that seriously, you're like, I'm going to stick with the Bible and and I'll comment on it. Uh, but I'm not going to make up anything outside of it, you know, and act like that this is really important for you to hear if I know that this is just something I'm making up, you know? Yeah, I, I hope people really understand the um, the the seriousness of, of being a pastor. And, mm. and I think, like I mentioned, it's really not until you stand up there and, and are responsible for properly – explaining and sharing God's word that you really don't understand that and the implications that you have on, on people's lives by yeah. being in that, in yeah. that pulpit. Yeah. Hebrews thirteen seven comes to mind. We've mentioned it before where he says, obey, of course, this is to the people, obey your leaders, submit to them for they are keeping watch over your souls as those will have to give an account. Right. Like that is terrifying, but at the same time, you just have to trust in God and be as diligent to follow and to trust in the Holy Spirit's work in your life to see that happen. And, and so like, as an example, I'm continually looking over our membership list and I'm thinking through, I'm praying for those people, of course, all of, all of the members, but I'm also thinking, have I seen these people? Who do I need to reach out to or talk to? And there's some people that actually, there's several people that I've met with recently who are not members who are just coming consistently. And I'm thinking about where they are spiritually and, that's something that's very important to me because obviously, you know, we're going to give an account to those people who are committed here as believers and all those who are under our care. And so I'm definitely, I take that. Yeah. Pretty mm-hmm. seriously, obviously. And, um, but like you said, we, we're not perfect, you know, by God's grace, we're going to do the best we can. And, um, we're always here. If any, anybody feels like they're not being heard or they need some support, we're always here to, to listen. So feel free to reach out, you know? Yeah. So, yeah. Well, that was just Very kind cool. of a heavy, heavy way to end that, that whole message. Yeah. But I mean, like we were saying, and you said it, like this is a teaching specifically to Timothy mm-hmm. for how he's to teach, but this is the calling on every believer. Mm-hmm. You know, totally. you're, you might not have the same uh, responsibility or the same authority in the like organized version of the gathering of believers in your context. Uh, but this is what we're called to do to mm-hmm. grow in godliness and to share it with other people. Um, and so this is a call on everybody and we all should be taking it seriously. Uh, just pastors and elders should probably take it a little more seriously because oh, yeah. they have a, a way higher, uh, you know, uh, a level of accountability, Res- accountability, responsibility. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
for sure. Yeah, cool. Well, uh, let's talk about someone who is contributing to the church. Is that cool? Yeah. <laughs> volunteer of the week. Our volunteer of the week this week is Eric Peterson. Uh, Eric helped out uh, with some windows, which yeah. is a skill that he has uh, plenty of. Yeah, <laughs> he does, he's installed a lot of windows in his day. He ordered, uh, but Rob uh, was been working on a project, and uh, and got Eric out over here. Yeah, we were preparing for the for a possible bookstore. We're preparing our bookstore, which you guys will hear about soon. But one of those um, doors what didn't have a window in it. And uh, it'd be hard to have like some kind of public space where people are meant to go into if there's no way to look into it. <laughs> so uh, yeah, we hit up Eric and he was kind enough to come and donate his time and his skills um, and installed that cost effectively for us. So me and him worked on it. It only took us like an, an hour, not even an hour. It's a quick job. It would have probably taken me a week and then it looked horrible. <laughs> Yeah, no, looks, yeah. I mean, after a couple trips to Home Depot for new doors, I know. <laughs> you're like, screw that one up. Let me try that again. Yeah. So yeah, Eric. Eric's done work for for me at my home and did an amazing job. Yeah, yeah. So he's a he's a benefit to our church. He's helped out in youth in the past, and he's he's oh, done yeah. a lot. He does yep. mission yep. stuff. He's just a lot. So. Yep. The uh, prison ministry that that's the, right. Several guys from the church get to the prisons to lead Bible studies. Yeah. He's also a Gideon. Yep. Yeah. Very, very involved in our um, mission to Uganda as well. Oh yes. Yep. yep. Yeah. He does a lot out there. Right. Yeah. Just a yeah, very, a very loving, caring, generous dude. Uh, so if you see Eric around, tell him he's the volunteer of the week. Thank him for all he does. Thank him for the when you're looking through that beautiful window <laughs> into that bookstore. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, but yeah, thank Eric for just who he is and who his family is. They're uh, just really special people in our church. Um, and then we got a little bit of this. Are you ready for it, Rob? Oh, yeah. It's time for Bible trivia right now. Uh-oh. Okay, Pressure's so on. silly myths. You haven't read any of the answers. <laughs> is that true? I have not read the answers. Oh, you, there's a silly myths category? No. Oh. <laughs> but in this text before us that where Paul tells Timothy. Because silly avoid, myths aren't mentioned no. anywhere else really in the Bible. Avoid avoid silly myths. And uh, anyways, this section's called sorcerers, witches, and so forth. So close enough. <laughs> okay. Sorcerers, witches, and so forth. Here's the first one. What emperor had a bevy of magicians and, f- and f- psychics who would not interpret his dreams? His strange dreams. I can think of two. Is emperor like kind of a, uh, a, a there to throw you off? No. Like, is this person referred to as emperor something in the I, Bible? I, I want to say Nebuchadnezzar. That's who I was thinking. Okay. But I always think King Nebuchadnezzar. So that's yeah. what I was thinking. Like, is there an, is there someone that's labeled emperor? I don't know. Babylonian such such? empire. You, maybe he's an emperor. Yeah. I mean, typically. Yeah. But also the Pharaoh kings. in the day of Joseph, the Pharaoh. But he wasn't, re- he, his title wasn't emperor. It was Pharaoh. Pharaoh. Yeah. I think it's Nebuchadnezzar. I mean, Let's Nebuchadnezzar check. sounds right. Let's check. I'm, yep, I'm right. Well, Woo! we're all right. We got that one right. Yep. Nice. Well, we the were, book's we, wrong for we, saying emperor. <laughs> King, we, were, yeah. we were just right because we were agreeing with you. Though. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Good job, guys. Um, what prophet called the city Nineveh the mistress of witchcraft? Ooh, uh, is it Jonah? <laughs> it's got to be Jonah, right? That was what I would guess. <laughs> was there another prophet that went to Nineveh? It's there not is Jonah. another it's prophet that Jonah. went to Nineveh. Oh, well, no. Nineveh is mentioned by other prophets. Oh, right. Because it like Jonah is mentioned as like a uh, archetype of a yeah. situation right. all the time. Yeah, okay. I, we got we got this wrong. It's Nahum. Nahum. I would not have gotten I that. would not have gotten either. Sad. <laughs> <laughs> now you got to let's, let's get another one. Okay. Best two out of three. Oh, man. This one's hard. I don't know. What queen of Israel practiced witchcraft? Ooh. The Queen of Sheba? What's that chick's name? Wasn't the Queen of Sheba the Queen of (laughs) Sheba and not the Queen of Israel? That's true. She wasn't the Queen of Sheba, or she wasn't the Queen of Israel because she just came in. Queen of Israel? I can't even think of a Queen Um, of Israel. That's really interesting. Sheba was down like Ethiopia. I, I, hmm. No guesses? This one's hard. That is such an interesting one. I'm actually really excited to hear the answer. I feel like it's one of David's wives. 
I think there was, I forget the names of his wives, but one of his wives was mad at him. Oh, so like a queen of, Oh, I, I guess that makes sense. It's Jezebel. Jezebel. Oh man. We need to, can we, we get, can we end on a win? Where's, where's, <laughs> uh, where's Aaron when you need I guarantee Emily got all those right. And she's yelling <laughs> at, she's yelling at her phone while she's listening to the podcast. Um, who called on magicians to duplicate the miracles of Moses? Egypt. I mean, Pharaoh. Pharaoh. <laughs> Pharaoh no, Egypt. No, no, no. King Pharaoh. Egypt. It's got to be the Pharaoh. <laughs> yeah, we, we got that one. And we did. We got that one. We're on That's fire it. now. That's it. That's how we'll end it. We'll quit while we're ahead. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> quit on a high note. <laughs> yes. All right. Well, we'll talk about uh, some more Timothy next week. Yep. Anything else cool happening? Do you want to uh, shout out the... We do have a men's disc, disc golf, golf activity on Saturday. So if you're listening to this, I've already had a couple guys say they're going to they're gonna join us. It's a really cool course out there, not too far away. So did you have a couple of guys say they were going to join in the way that like actually guys said they were going to join? Or are you doing like the manipulative altar call thing where you're like, <laughs> I see that hand just to get other people <laughs> to raise their hands? Cody, you know me too. No, <laughs> no, I have. I was, yeah, I've talked to a few people who said they're going to go, but we don't do registration. So it's always a surprise. I go out there, I set up an easy up and then pe- guys start to trickle in. I heard all the coolest people are going. I it? think so too. <laughs> um, Dave, are you a disc golfer? I am absolutely not. <laughs> I saw this disc golf You could video. treat it like a hike though. You're a hiker. I, I could, I, but I, I got to train for it a little first. <laughs> oh, it's an easy walk around the woods. It's flat. And yeah. you got to dodge discs the whole time That's you're hiking. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Flying at your head. But yeah, guys, get out there. Also, we have a members meeting at the end of the month, um, which we've been talking about. So that'll be fun. And a lot of new members. And a cool new parking lot. And a, yeah, that's right. We didn't even talk about that new Man, parking lot. Parking lot's looking very nice. Man, let's fill it up so we've got no empty spaces out there, there and all and these great lines to park between. We're almost doing that, man. No four-wheeling required It's crazy anymore. between services sometimes to find parking. But anyways... There you go. That's all the announcements for this week. All the announcements for this week. All right. Well, uh, see you when you get back, Aaron. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Canby Christian Church podcast. For more information about the church and its ministries, visit canbychristian.org.